you know you are capable of more because you have a burning desire to get the absolute most out of your career and life, to starve your fears, to follow your dreams, and to realize your true potential. And we are going to do that together. This is the Own Your Career, Own Your Life podcast. Are you ready? Let's go. All right, I'm joined now by Al D, who is the founder of Better Works Lab. He's a podcaster. He's a consultant. He is an author. He's a lot of things. Al, welcome to the show. Andy, thank you so much for having me. It's, it's great to be here. Yeah, great to have you on. I know we connected a while back through LinkedIn. You had me on your podcast. We got to know each other a little better. We had plenty in common. You joined the Talent Development Think Tank, so I get to see you on a more regular basis inside the community. And I've been wanting to have you on anyway. And then you had a post on LinkedIn the other day that I thought was sensational that I wanted to break down on the podcast. But uh, before we get into that, I would love for you to share a little bit of background of you know who you are and, and how you got to where you are today. Happy to do that. So I started my career as a management consultant where I was helping large organizations think about how do we use technology to transform the way we interact with customers and the way that we empower our employees. And after doing that uh, for many years, um, I pivoted to working in the technology industry and to really being at the forefront of innovation where I worked at Salesforce and really thinking about, in that case, how do we help our customers, at the time, our customers really use innovative technologies to engage with their customers. And I just, along the way, just noticed a really important insight, which was even though you can have the greatest technology, even if you can have the smartest consultants give you the right frameworks, unless you actually develop and grow and empower your people, no amount of change can really do it justice. And that's where I really started getting more in tune with understanding how do we help our most important asset, our talent, uh, unlock their potential and their purpose uh, to achieve greater uh, performance and really help people get the most out of their skills and talents. Um, Along the way, I also started uh, what you know, my own community called MBA School, as well as the MBA Insider Podcast. And it really was a community dedicated to helping MBAs think about how they advance and grow their career both with an MBA and then afterwards. And it was through that time where I really started to not only just look at MBAs, but all of the other learning and professional development opportunities that are out there. Because as Andy, you know, being an MBA graduate, just because you graduate from business school doesn't mean you stop learning. If anything, it means you just start. And so eventually it decided to uh, leave the corporate space. And now I run Better Work Labs, uh, which is a talent advisory a firm that specializes in helping leaders uh, develop their talent uh, through programs, through advisory work and the like. And so that's, that's how I got to where I am today. Yeah. I like it. And you know, it's funny, I've told you this, but I remember, I feel like sometime around 2016, I had this idea, you know, I have an MBA also from USC Marshall School of Business. And I had this idea that I should write a book and start a podcast to help MBA students figure out how to get the best, the most out of their education and their experience because it's so overwhelming. It's so expensive. And you know it, it's a big investment. You don't know what you're going to do with it. And I never did anything with that. And then I met you last year and I was like, oh my God, Al is doing the thing that I wanted to do. And I was so happy. You know, some people might be like, oh, he stole my idea. Like I'm, which you didn't steal, obviously you came up on your own and you're doing a much better job than I would have done. But I was so happy to see you doing that because I was never going to do it. And I think there was a real need for that in the space. Well, thank you for saying that. And I, I know that this podcast wasn't meant for us to just gland hat each other, but <laughs> I was so thankful when I came across your book, Own Your Career, Own Your Life, because I literally have been saying that phrase, Own Your Career, for so long. And one of the things that I had been wishing upon was, and other people give me feedback on, is just 
okay, if I agree to that, then what? And I was really thankful when I came across your book. And that was part of the reason why I brought you on the podcast, because I think your book does a really great job of, for people, particularly those who want to do that, of giving them some ideas about how they can do that. So again, nobody listens to this podcast to hear us just glad hand each other, but I did want to call that out because the, the feeling is mutual. And I, I just feel grateful to have, uh, had, have met you. Well, thank you so much, Al. I appreciate that. And you know what? This is my podcast. We can talk about what we want. Fair uh, enough. <laughs> no, but if people are here to learn about talent development and, and up their games there, and hopefully they know by now that I have a book called Own Your, Own Your Life. But we're talking about talent development today, which includes, I think, a lot of times career development. And one of the things we're going to talk about is the intersection of careers, learning, and developing employees. And you mentioned something earlier that you know you get an MBA, the learning doesn't stop there. I think it's an old legacy way of thinking that I'm going to get this degree and then I'm done learning. And now I just work in this field, right? We Times are changing so fast. We have to keep learning. And part of that is a personal responsibility. I talk about that in my book and my keynotes that I give in big companies. But I think there's a responsibility by organizations as well to, to provide development opportunities as well as career opportunities. And it seems like this is something that you are following closely. So what are you seeing out there right now? And, and how is that changing in the corporate world? Yeah. I, I couldn't agree with you more. And part of the reason why I did the research, I guess, as some background, as I mentioned, after I graduated with an MBA, I, I knew enough to know that I wasn't done learning. And I also just never want, want to be done learning. I just have always been genuinely a curious person. And as a result of that, I started looking out to see uh, at the time, what are the other learning opportunities that are out there? There are obviously some common ones I came across just in terms of uh, you know, things like LinkedIn Learning and all the self-paced courses and Coursera and many of the others that I think by now most of us understand and know. And those were were good. But I also came across a number of other different ones that I thought were unique and interesting uh, in different modalities and different forms. And every now and then I would take one and I'd get a lot of value out of it. And I would just often mention to other people who I thought it could be valuable to of, hey, maybe you should give this a shot. And sooner or later, I had this running list of different programs and different learning opportunities. Uh, some of them were self-paced. Some of them were just online communities that I joined. Some of them were conferences even. But I just kept sharing it with people and people would always say, oh, I'd never heard of that, but that was really helpful. Or, or thank you for telling me about this organization because I went and joined it. And it's really made a big difference in my own experience. And so I've always just had a pulse on the market of all the exciting things that are out there. But what I think has really happened over the past couple of years is that, to your point, companies are starting to understand that they do have a responsibility more than just what they provide uh, as a kind of a checkbox to find ways to help their people learn, grow, and develop. And I think the underscore of all of it is it, it all come, kind of comes back to the fact that we get hired you know, to do a specific job, right? That's uh, through a job record or job description. Mm -hmm. But oftentimes, the work that actually needs to get done doesn't always fall within the realm of what that job description says. And so sometimes there's a gap between uh, what we need to do and or what what's we we're told to do versus like what we need to do. And employees who are enterprising and who are proactive are solving that on their own because they're self-directed, because they're curious, because they're upskilling on their own. Uh, but not every employee um, has the means to do that. And I think some companies are realizing that and are trying to find more ways to uh, incorporate learning into the flow of work, as our you know, esteemed colleague, Josh Burson, likes to say. Uh, but I think broader than that, because of all the change that has gone on over the past couple of years in the workplace, because of global pandemics and because of all the other market conditions that really have amped up the pace of change, companies have just realized that 
their mechanism for being able to solve this is through creating people as well as a culture where people are continuously learning. And the market's paying attention just in terms of the types of offerings that are spun up, the types of uh, investment dollars from the venture capital and PE community that are going into ed tech, learning and development tech, HR tech, and things like that. And so uh, we'll talk about it, I'm sure, in a little bit, but there's a lot of exciting offerings that are out there to really help companies that do want to create this culture of learning within their organization. Yeah, it's changing so fast. I like that you mentioned, you know, Josh Burson and, and learning in the flow of work that's been really popular in the HR L&D space for the last few years. And, you know, he's someone who's been on this podcast and a lot of people admire. What do you see happening now? And where is this going? What's next in the world of learning? Yeah, I think there's a couple things that are that are happening and I kind of can kind of dive into a couple of the of the six trends and we can certainly link the six trends in the uh, the, the piece in, in the show notes. Yep. But a couple of things that are coming up. So the first is this idea around shared community or community or just bringing people together in shared spaces, whether those are in-person or virtual. I think it was the organizational psychologist, Henry Mintzberg, who once said, we are social animals who cannot function effectively without a social system that is larger than ourselves, mm. right? And I think, you know, as we think about particularly the past couple of years of just how hard it has been to foster connection, as well as what we know about learning, right? Learning is inherently social. And so one of the things that I think we're seeing are a number of learning and development opportunities uh, that are both geared towards the end consumer as well as in a B2B context that are really focusing in on this idea around communities. Uh, So as an example, one of the trends that I highlight is something called online career communities and associations. Mm -hmm. And in this trend, this is really about organizations that are out there that are either role or industry-based, but all really built on this premise of bringing people together uh, to be able to collaborate, to be able to network, to be able to learn. Um, they usually have what I call the three C's, content, community, and career. And so content might be learning programs, whether those are live, virtual, or self-paced on demand. Um, community in the sense that there's probably some sort of community feature or function, whether it's a Slack channel or whether it's an online community. Yeah, something that and then, brings people together so they can communicate. Exactly. And then career in the sense that opportunities for advancement or even, you know, very tactically, job postings, right? And I think part of this is because, uh, you know, people uh, in the careers are meant to be team sports, not individual ones, right? And so being able to have a community, an online community, career community like this really gives people an opportunity uh, to advance, learn, and grow. And a couple that I highlighted, just because I'm familiar with them, one is the Product Marketing Alliance. So I used to be a product marketer and being able to join the Product Marketing Alliance where I literally was in a Slack channel with 20,000 product marketers, who I could ping at any given time of, hey, does anyone know how to put together a go-to-market plan? Or, hey, I'm looking for an uh, an SEO or an agency that does messaging and positioning. Does anyone know who that is? That has a lot of value that is inherently within it. And so uh, I think there's plenty of other organizations that are out there. And the last thing I would just say to this is that um, associations and trade organizations that have been around for a very long time, those are not going away. I think what's really interesting and exciting about what we're seeing now is that it's kind of the next wave of them. Um, so many of those associations uh, were traditionally viewed as the place you go, you know, particularly for union, you know, particularly if you had an association that really helped around labor issues. And I, I think what we're seeing is that, particularly for the generations that are in the workforce, they just traditionally have not affiliated with associations in the same way, uh, but they do affiliate with connecting online and meeting other people who are like-minded. And so that is one trend that is coming uh, top of mind. And as you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of community. Yeah, uh, I've absolutely. I've been, been involved in a lot of communities. I run a community now, the Talent Development Think Tank. 
which you're a part of. And we had a conversation just today before we recorded this about the importance of community and how do you build community and how do you bring people together? And, you know, to take it back to that quote you mentioned earlier, I think humans are social creatures. We learn the most from each other, right? And it's advantageous to have people that we can go to in our careers to help us out with what we're trying to do. Right. And I think too, just even if we agree with the premise that a lot of the world of work is changing and that sometimes we don't have all the answers, I think we can also reasonably agree that sometimes it helps to have a sounding board of other people who are experiencing the same thing or are challenged by the same thing or who might have outside perspectives. And while certainly you can get that, you know, hopefully within your company, um, sometimes it helps to be able to talk to other people or to share best Mm -hmm. practices uh, with people outside of your your company or, uh, and whatnot. And so I think there's, I think there's a lot of value in, in these kind of career communities that exist out there. Yeah. So you're only speaking to people who don't have all the answers. This does not apply to people who have all the answers. Yes, I can. Unfortunately, I cannot help people who have all the answers. I'm just, I'm not qualified to do that. Well, they can I help don't themselves. Yeah. They're fine. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but for the rest of us, if we're still yes. trying to figure things out, right, it can be so helpful to have others who are along the journey with you. Hopefully some who are a little bit ahead, maybe some who are a little bit behind, you can help them right? And peers that are along the way with you. And what are you working on? What are you doing? How did you accomplish this? Just before we started recording, Al, you you and I were talking about taking notes on what we've learned over the last few years about being an entrepreneur, about building a community, about starting a podcast, because there are always people coming behind us who could benefit from learning those things that we now take for granted. Absolutely. And I I would just say the the last thing from this, and I know you know this from your own book, but we talk to people all the time about the importance of networking, right? And building and cultivating relationships, so again, going back to the Product Marketing Alliance, they have an entire thread that is just devoted to job, jobs and job postings, right? And so, and it's gotten to the point now where if a hiring manager comes to me and says, hey, I'm looking for a place to post a product marketing job, should I you know, go to a, you know, a, a big kind of website or has mass distribution or, or where else should I look? And I can t- kind of tell them, you can still go to those bigger places, but if you really want to find you know, the, the, the specific audience that you're looking for, you might want to consider something that's a little bit more tied to your niche, right? Mm-hmm. In terms of, uh, in this case. And so, and there, I'm, I keep harping on the product marketing lines because that's the one that I know, but there are plenty of other ones that are out there. Yep. I know even in your own community, you have a job postings thread and yep. I know people have found opportunities there. And so yep. I bring this up because it, while we are talking a lot about talent development, it also has implications for talent acquisition for that matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So that's the whole online community piece. And as you mentioned, we do have, you know, we have a Slack channel in the talent development think tank. We do have a job board in there and people have found opportunities. That was one of my visions when I started that I wanted to help connect people with stuff like that. So I, I love seeing it. One of the other trends that you mentioned in your LinkedIn post was the fractional MBA. Can you tell me more about that? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. So the MBA is a what I view, what I call a career accelerant, right? In terms of it gives you a chance to accelerate on your current path to get there sooner, or it allows you to transition to a new path and to do it soon and to that you would not have been able to do otherwise. There's a lot of career accelerants that are out there. The MBA is only one of them. But what we're finding is that the MBA doesn't work for everyone, which is also why in addition to full-time MBAs, there's part-time MBAs, there's online MBAs, there's the like. But In addition to the fact that while not everyone might be able to have an MBA, what the MBA provides in terms of the value, if you look at the benefits of it, there are other ways to be able to capture that value if if we just position it in different ways, or if we change the modality of it, or if we change the way that it's packaged and sold. And I think uh, organizations are waking up to this, both in terms of graduate business schools, as well as other companies that are out there. And so there's a couple examples of this, but what it really amounts to are shorter form learning experiences 
and they can be a combination of of live or live and in person or live virtual uh, on a specific topic or specific uh, theme, and that have very many of the elements of an MBA that I think are particularly attractive to people in terms of that community piece, right? In terms of bringing in uh, best in class instructors, uh, in terms of having real world application, you know, just because someone doesn't want to do an MBA doesn't mean they don't want to have those things. It just, they may not necessarily want to have them in the traditional mode and delivery vehicle of an MBA. So a couple of quick examples of how these, you know, are out there. So one is certainly section four. Uh, section four is the uh, online business education platform that Scott Galloway of the infamous Pivot podcast and kind of that whole empire has started. Um, and Scott's story with this is really interesting in the fact that he was an MBA and is a business school professor, and he wanted to find ways to make that MBA more accessible to other types of folks. And so what he's done is he's created these this offering of learning programs that are about two to three week, what you call sprints. So they're focused on a particular topic in a short amount of time uh, with best-in-class instructors, as well as drawing from uh, people uh, from Fortune 500 companies. And so you still get many of the elements that you might get in an MBA. It's just compressed a little bit. Another one that's really interesting that's up and coming is from Morning Brew, the online newsletter, which was bought by Business Insider. So they have created what they call the MBA-A, which is the Morning Brew Accelerator. So a nice little play on words there. But their whole thing is uh, similarly, it's about a six to eight week learning experience, all about what they believe are the most important critical themes of business in a digital world. And again, bringing in, in their mind, they're bringing in operators. So people who are on the front lines of education who are teaching these courses, and they have a lot of great benefits in terms of what they offer from a community setting, in terms of having mentors and other types of things. And so in this case, you know, these are all or like companies that are out there that are providing these programs and learning experiences both from a consumer perspective, as well as uh, many of them will sell B2B. So they'll have sales teams that will sell to a learning and development manager or whatnot to get their employees to take them. But it's still achieving many of the same benefits of the MBA. It's just the modality in which they're being offered, the duration, uh, some of the ways in uh, which uh, they can be consumed are slightly different. So that one's really, really exciting. And the last thing I know I've been babbling for a while, but I think this one is really interesting. And what might be interesting for your audience is that one example I gave is Section 4, which is a venture-backed startup. Another example I gave is Morning Brew, which was an email newsletter. There are different types of companies that are getting into the space because they have different types of credibility and expertise. And so as a learning and development manager, as a talent development manager out there, um, I, I bring this up because there's something for everyone. If you're interested in these things, it's just a matter about finding the one that's right for you and your, your team or your people. Yeah. So many more options than ever before. It's fascinating. The, the great thing is there's more options to do things and we don't have to rely on necessarily traditional education. The downside might be that it's overwhelming. It's harder it to is, choose sure. what to do. Right. And, and that's where the value of the community comes in, right? Where you can rely mm -hmm. on other people to find out well, what have you used and, and what's been successful for you. Absolutely. You also talked in your trends article about leadership development going beyond hypo, which I think is kind of related to what we talked about. And I've seen this as well. I mean, you know, the best companies were providing leadership development up and down the organization, but typically it's at the executive level. And then like you see a lot of hypo programs, but what else are you seeing in this space? Yeah. I mean, I think you're absolutely right. I think traditionally it was really reserved for hypo. And I think Part of, part of that was because they felt it was most important. And also because, as you know, these 
particularly these programs, like they can cost a lot in terms of time, resources, mm-hmm. and energy and manpower for that matter. And so, but this was challenging and complex because there's only so many hypos and you still have to think about how do we help the rest of our organization? And if we don't, you know, these are the folks that might be, might leave. And so the thing that has helped, there's two things that have helped. One, I think companies have recognized that they can't just focus on one population, both from a business perspective and also from just an inclusivity perspective, right? What what happens if you're not deemed as hypo just because the traditional norms of hypo, someone doesn't fit the traditional norms of hypo, but you still could be someone who could have a lot of aptitude and potential in an organization. The second thing that's happening and, and why I brought this up is that some of the offerings that now exist out there are have been created in ways that make them more accessible to a broader you know, audience, right? So for hypo, if it's you know, only a certain amount of the organization, uh, some of these other programs that exist, which I can talk about in a minute, are built in ways that make them more accessible for a wider swath of people. So one quick example of this, and there's a lot of this right now, but is just simply new manager training, right? This is an area that is not necessarily new, but I think has gotten a lot of revived interest, particularly because of the fact that for a long time, managers, not many managers got formal management training. But I think the other thing that companies are realizing, particularly as the world of work continues to shift, is that managers do, the work of a manager today is slightly different than it was 10, 20, 30 years ago. And unless we train them with the right skill sets, mindsets, and aptitudes, they're not going to be set up for success. And furthermore, you know, particularly from the research we know from Gallup, we know that managers are responsible a lot of times for the engagement and well-being of an employee. And so a couple examples of this, um, there are companies out there like uh, Better Manager, Torch, or Know Your Team that specifically provide new manager training at scale to organizations. Um, and in this case, it's kind of a combination of, so, of some live virtual trainings, some one-on-one sessions for coaching, as well as some cohort-based learning and reflection. And so as a result of being able to have a little bit more robust as well as scalable offering, you can now start to uh, provide training and leadership opportunities to more people in your organization outside of just the hypos. So that, that's another you know, example of where, you know, in addition to companies realizing waking up, they need to do more for more people. Uh, some of the offerings that exist are just a little bit more accessible and scalable. And certainly also having them done digitally um, and online can, can help with that as well. Yeah, absolutely. So many more opportunities there, which is going to be great for leaders. I'm hearing about a lot of companies that are now creating programs for individual contributors who might want to be managers or leaders, right? right? The aspiring leaders had a conversation with someone about that today, which is great because a lot of managers get into management positions with no training or no understanding of what it means to be a manager. And it's going to give them a lot more of that. Related to that, another one of your trends was coaching becomes more corporate friendly. So tell me more about what that yeah. means. Yeah. So I, I, I'm really big on this one just because I've been a proponent of coaching and it's helped me so much. And, mm-hmm. and I know Same. how valuable, yeah. I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure for sure. And, you know, the kind of analogy I give is that if we think about performers out there, so we think about athletes, musicians, and artists, they all rely on coaches to help them unleash their potential and to get at the top of their game. Mm-hmm. And I think we're finally at a place now where companies are starting to realize that they're starting to think in this mindset as well. It really is interesting in the sense that, you know, if you, if you ask, you know, a top athlete, if how important it is to practice and how to train with a coach versus, you know, being on the playing field, they'll, you know, they spend a lot of time prepping and practicing and the like, 
But in the workplace, it's, it's kind of the opposite, right? Like we don't really give space for that, but that's changing. I think for a couple of reasons. One, because the market is making it a little bit more accessible in terms of some of the offerings that are out there. But two, I also think that particularly when it comes to things like feedback or being able to uh, spot you know, ch- individual challenges, um, companies are understanding that coaching can be a valuable tool just to do that. And so a couple of the companies that I you know, gave as examples in the coaching becomes corporate friendly. So one example of this is a company called Sounding Board, and they really focus on one-on-one um, executive and leadership coaching in a scalable, scalable manner. And I think part of what is really interesting about what they do uh, and the companies that engage with them is I think the companies that have engaged with them have realized they want to make this a capability in their organization that people get coached and as a result of that are then able to you know unlock the potential not only of themselves but of their teams. And so they can now do this in a much more scalable way. But bigger than that, I think I've had a couple heard a couple of really good examples out there outside of just traditional executive or leadership coaching where uh, because companies are warming up to having coaches and in the company, more people within the company are getting access to them. And so just as a really good example, I have a colleague who I used to work with who engaged with one of these coaching platforms out there. And she had a, a, a people manager who was a new first, first time people manager who had gotten two or three direct reports. And in one of those cases, the direct report was someone who was older and had more experience. And so this individual who was a first-time people manager was a little nervous about, oh, how do I manage someone who has more experience than I do? And how do I do this in an effective way? And so she was able to get her a a leadership coach to work one-on-one over the course of like eight weeks or 12 weeks on how to navigate through this. And this was just a traditional kind of first-time manager in a 70,000-person organization. Um, In the past, because of either the appetite for coaching in the enterprise or just the lack of awareness of coaching, that may have not have happened, you know, that kind of level of person getting coaching in a company. But because of these platforms and because of what's out there and because companies are warming up to the fact that there is a lot of value that can be had, there are more opportunities for people in an organization uh, to get coaching. And so I think that is that that is really exciting uh, and unlocks a whole slew of benefits. And, and that is another piece to this. If you're a company right now and you're trying to attract talent, right? You know, a big portion of why some people want to work at a company is knowing that they're going to get learning and development opportunities. So to be able to say, hey, um, if you work here, not only are you know, we going to give you a great place to work, but we're also going to invest in you by giving you access to one-on-one coaching. That could be a really valuable for, for some of the prospective employees you might want to bring into your organization. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of opportunities going on and, and more and more people are seeking out coaching. I, I've definitely benefited from coaching and do a little bit of coaching myself. And it, it's fun to see all the benefits that come from that and, and it leaking into the corporate space. You also talked in your trend report about something that I'm excited about a trend I'm seeing, which is creating your own career mobility. And I think a lot of companies are trying to find ways to create more mobility within their organizations, but you said creating your own career mobility. So what did you mean by that? Yeah, for sure. Well, I think there's a lot of great internal mobility platforms that are out there. And I think companies should still continue to invest in those, particularly if they want to retain talent and develop their people internally, which we know has a lot of benefits to the bottom line. But one of the reasons why I have gotten into this world as much as I do is because I I really believe in the power that uh, when people are able to learn and do their best work, they can contribute in ways that are just beyond themselves and can really have an impact. 
And there's a couple of programs as well as companies in particular that are doing things that really empower this. So one of those comes from my former employer, disclaimer, uh, Salesforce. Um, so Salesforce has created what they call Trailhead, which in their tagline is a fun and easy way to learn Salesforce. And you can go to trailhead.com, sign up for free and actually learn how to build an application on Salesforce or how to build different apps on Salesforce, how to um, program you know, on Salesforce. And that's really great if you're someone who works at a company maybe where you are in a role where you're a Salesforce admin, because that's going to make you better at your job. But what gets really interesting to me and what gets really excited to me is that Salesforce in particular with Trailhead, they've created an entire ecosystem around not just helping people to be better at their jobs, but around creating opportunities for people to build careers in Salesforce. And there's some amazing stories of people who went from being um, an hourly worker in a restaurant uh, to becoming a Salesforce admin and 10xing or maybe even more their career, right? And opening up opportunities. Or there's some amazing stories of organizations that have partnered with Salesforce, workforce development organizations, which are teaching Salesforce and helping their, uh, their students learn on Trailhead, you know, in high school or in college, and then creating opportunities and jobs for them uh, to uplevel their skills so that um, instead of, you know, just always being in a world where they can only work an hourly job, they can become a Salesforce admin and start making, you know, anywhere making from 70 to $80,000 a year. Mm. And so there's some really interesting kind of companies, both on tech companies that are doing this, because certainly it helps them in terms of Salesforce certainly benefits from having more people who know how to build applications on Salesforce. Um, but even in this case of Salesforce, other organizations in the ecosystem have gotten involved. Uh, places like Deloitte, um, they have a whole program where if you go through one of their boot camps to learn on Salesforce, they'll give you a job interview opportunity and a chance to potentially work there because they see the power in having more uh, consultants who know how to you know, benefit from Salesforce. And so there's a couple other companies that are doing this. Google has something as well. Amazon has something as well. But the other ones that, uh, that I, I often come back to from time to time is a company like uh, Pathstream. Uh, so what Pathstream has done is they teach people the fun key technologies that are in demand. So it could be Salesforce, it could be HubSpot, it could be other forms of digital marketing. And once they go through these programs, these people have a chance uh, to apply to jobs that are going to hire these in-demand skills. And so this is what I mean by creating your own career mobility, right? Of sure, the traditional education options are always there, but there are all these other kind of career accelerators, if you will, that if you go through them, you have the chance to unlock your own opportunities, uh, both for your career, as well as even for your own uh, wealth and, and, and salary and things like that. Yeah, so important. That's really interesting. And I've heard that stuff about Salesforce and Trailhead. I never really dug into it. There's a whole wealth of opportunities for people that want to really take ownership of their careers, right? And go take the initiative and find something and, and make something out of it, which I love. The sixth and final trend you had on that list was creator economy meets career development. Two things that I'm very interested in. So tell me more. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think that for a long time, we've you and I probably are guilty of this, but we've always talked about personal branding, right? And just in terms of how important it is. And certainly, I think some of the more visible aspects of that are certainly having a LinkedIn profile and having it up to date and all those types of things. And that's still important. But what's been interesting is that now, because of more advancements to things like LinkedIn, as well as other tools that are out there, people and employees can actually further their own career development through various tools from the creator economy, right? In terms of being able to create and build things that are aligned to their personal or career interests. 
and some of this comes through through traditional kinds of forms of having that digital portfolio, if you will, to be able to showcase not just your skills, but the actual outputs of your work, right? So certainly designers and software engineers, you know, have, you know, designers might have a portfolio, software engineers might have GitHub code, all of those types of things that not, they, they kind of show your proof of work, if you will, not just what you say you have, but what you've actually done. Mm. Uh, but there are other ones that are out there, like a couple of ones like Contra or Polywork or these other places where instead of just self-reporting that Andy, you or I have a specific skill, you can showcase different things that you built or created uh, that demonstrate that you actually did the thing that you said you did or that you have the expertise you said you did. Um, but bigger than that, I mean, even Andy, for you, you know, creating this podcast is, is a great, great example of how you can be a creator and use it as a means to have personal fulfillment, but also to advance your career. And yeah. I mean, a rhetorical question here, but I have, I'm inclined to believe that just by having this podcast, you fueled opportunities in your own career from, from doing this. Absolutely. So, yep. yeah. That was one of the main points in, in starting it was to connect with people, educate myself and, you know, find new opportunities. Right. Yeah. And I would also just add to this, you know, I think it, because it's an important caveat, I think the best thing about this trend is that while it can be used in a way to advance or even monetize yourself, I think it fundamentally starts with being able to have the tools to pursue and create things that you intrinsically enjoy. And if that eventually helps you get a promotion or helps you make more money or that you can monetize it, that's great. But I only put that caveat out there because I don't want people thinking, oh, I have to do this to advance my career and make more money. No, you. This is these are just tools that are out there that can help you fuel your personal and professional interests. And as a result of that, you know, lead to better, more opportunities down the road. Yeah, absolutely. So many interesting trends. And I'm just blown away by how knowledgeable you are, like how much you've dug into all these things. I know there's gonna be a lot of people listening, taking lots of notes and trying to figure out, okay, what can they pull from this and, and what are they going to do with it? As we wrap things up, you know, I'm curious, like, what are some takeaways? What are some things that you're most excited about right now that you think could be really useful for people in talent development? I think the the biggest thing that I take away is that it really is an ex if you are someone which your audience is who cares about the development and growth of your people that drives outcomes, there are a lot of exciting opportunities out there to bring those into your company. And while we've definitely talked about different vendors and different companies, there are plenty of things that you can also do on your own. Uh, as well. I'm not suggesting you go out and buy everything under the sun, although it may make sense to engage with them. But I think a couple of things. First and foremost, um, before even looking at any of these, go talk to your people to see what they're engaging with already. Um, because many of these offerings are uh, can be bought both by a company as well as an individual. And though your people will be able to tell you which ones resonate with them or, or what aspects resonate with them. Because I mean, at the end of the day, like if you are going to be designing something for your people, you know, they're going to give you some good feedback. I think the other thing that's really important to, to keep in mind is the community piece. I think with anything we do with, with learning and development in general, or even just trying to develop our own people, uh, that piece is really strong. And so even if you don't end up going with any of these, these types of programs that we talked about, just thinking about, you know, for any of these trends, how do we connect this? Uh, with others, whether those are other people within our organization, whether those are alum of our company. I think that's a really important piece to this. And um, I think it's just something that people are, are really looking for. And so thinking about how do we thread this idea of community and connection 
into the ways we develop and grow our people. I think that's going to be something that will be really exciting as well as I think you, uh, I think you'll get a lot of benefits from, from thinking through that. Yeah. Al, this has been fantastic for anybody listening who wants to get in touch with you to find out more. We'll, we'll put a link in the show notes to the LinkedIn post that we mentioned with the six trends. Where else can they go to, to connect with you and find out more? Yep. They can connect with me right on LinkedIn, A-L, the last name is D, D-E-A, or they can go to betterworklabs.com and check out the resource page. Uh, there's plenty of resources there to further engage with some of the work that I do. Absolutely. LinkedIn and betterworklabs.com. And of course, make sure you go connect with Al and follow him. He's posting content almost every single day. I see it regularly. And if you're not following me on LinkedIn, make sure you come connect with me there. I'm posting content almost every single day as well. Al, thank you again for being here. This has been a pleasure and I'm looking forward to talking with you more soon. Thanks, Andy. Appreciate it. All right. Take care.